So with Made to Last, what we wanted to do was use retail to help people slow down on their purchasing. So rather than just keep buying stuff that needs replacing in a few years' time, find something you really like and think about your purchase carefully, buy it, and then just keep it and enjoy it for a long period of time. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 82 of the Make It British podcast. Now, over the last few weeks, there's been a bit of a theme running through these episodes, and it's been about how buying a product of better quality means it lasts much longer and it's better value in the long run. So it's very fitting that today I'm interviewing a chap called Joel Chudley, who runs a business called Made to Last. Now, the ethos behind Made to Last, in case you can't guess, is that if you buy a product of better quality, it is made to last. And all the products he sells on his website are made in the British Isles. So in this interview with Joel, he's going to talk about what criteria a product needs to have in order to fit into his made to last philosophy and what shoppers really think about buying British. Joel actually is based in Tokyo, so he also has some interesting points to make about the difference between a UK consumer's mindset and that of the Japanese. And of course, why he thinks that British made products are more sustainable. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Joel. If you have any feedback, I would love to hear it. Please drop me an email to kate at makeitbritish.co.uk. I would love to hear from you. Now over to Joel. So, Joel, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very excited to talk to you because Made to Last is a theme that has been coming up on this podcast quite a lot. Buying better, um, better quality and things that last. And so it's perfect timing that I speak to you. Do you, do you want to tell me how Made to Last came about? Yeah, sure. So... There's, I guess, two. It's there's two kind of disparate things that came together, but from through my experiences. So, firstly, I've got an interest, or I've had an interest in the environment for many years. I think it comes from like my childhood and doing outdoor sports. I've always been into outdoor sports and spending a lot of time outdoors, and because I love being in nature. Um, and just when you look at, when you see, I suppose, how nature's represented on TV and um, in books, it's always very clean and pure. But then, you know, particularly the last 15, 20 years, I've just noticed that wherever you go, there's like plastic waste, there's pollution. It's not, you know, nature is is becoming uh, damaged by by people. And so a particular thing is that 
going back about 20 years, but I traveled up the Amazon on a riverboat and just we were on the boat and the, the rubbish disposal, disposal on the boat was basically like there was bins everywhere and you put, put all of your rubbish in bins, but then those bin bags, like the staff would just chuck them over the side you of the boat. You are joking. No. Oh my gosh. No. So, like, you know, I went there thinking that, like all of the locals are going to be like really proud and respectful of of the Amazon because it's on their doorstep. But um, it was quite a quite a shock to like see that and just yeah. that and and just more generally UK wherever seeing being in nature and just seeing plastic waste and and so on everywhere um, led me to want to do something about about the environmental problems and and then. The other aspect is my background is in retail and marketing. So I've always enjoyed working in retail. Um, but I see how a lot of retail is done and it's it's not really sustainable. And so yeah. you know, as a retailer, obviously, we want to get sales. Um, but at the same time, uh, that's going against the... Um, like what I've just said about the environment. If, yeah, if we exactly. keep moving up the Earth's resources, then uh, there's um, there's something, I'm d- I don't know whether you'd have heard of it, called Earth Overshoot Day. And what it does mm. is it measures the speed that we're using up the planet's resources. And at the moment, we're using the planet's resources at about 1.5 times um, what is sustainable. And this is... Gosh. expected to just keep yeah. accelerating so yeah. you can imagine like in 20 30 years time you know the problems that we'll be in and so balance trying to balance retail with this environment environmental interest um was quite difficult and so with made to last what we wanted to do was use retail to help people slow down on their purchasing so rather than just keep buying stuff that's needs replacing in a few years time find something you really like and think about your purchase carefully buy it and then just keep it and enjoy it for a long period of time and because that process will slow down how fast we're using the planet's resources it it means that through retail i can hopefully achieve uh, the the goals of um improving the, the environment that we live in and when did you set up made to last it was four years ago, so it was 2015, late 2015, and we started trading early 2016. And you're online at the moment only, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. We only operate online. We, we get a lot of customers asking, particularly for big furniture items like sofa beds and sofas, if they, have, if they can come and see them somewhere. and. We'd love to have a showroom in the future, but at the moment, yes, yeah, it's, it's not something that we've got. So your website brings together, you, you hand select, don't you, all of the best quality products that will obviously will last. How, what is the criteria that any of the businesses that, whose products you sell, what criteria do they have to fulfil in order for you to stock their products? Well, the key thing is that they have to be willing to offer a, a warranty or guarantee on the products. And so all of our suppliers choose the length of this, but they have to be willing to 
to take care of the customer. If, say, for example, somebody buys a product and a few years down the line has a problem with it, then we, we want to be working with suppliers that are happy to revisit that with the customer and help the customer out and get the problem sorted. And so that, that's the main thing. The other criteria is that everything has to be manufactured in the British Isles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that includes Republic of Ireland. Um, and that, yeah. that's, that's the basic criteria, those two points. And so then yeah, once they fulfill that, then we'll get into discussions with them and find out more about them, how they operate. Um, There are some companies that will say they manufacture in Britain and then when you get into the detail, actually the products are designed in Britain, but they're not actually manufactured in Britain. Yeah, so true. That's what I call fake it British. (laughs) Usually they get accompanied by a Union Jack, um, a very large Union Jack somewhere on their products. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... So uh, as far as the product categories that you stock, you have a lot of homeware products at the moment. Is that because other categories, it's more difficult to find um, the sort of products that do last? I mean, what has been a successful category for you and what has not worked so well? Yeah, we started off pretty much doing everything that fitted with the criteria that is people products that people will use in everyday life. So that included fashion items as well. Mm. <clears throat> and we, we did get a lot of good quality fashion items on the site. But, yeah, the how long something lasts becomes a bit more difficult. And suppliers were struggling to put guarantees on with fashion items. because It just it depends on how, how the product's used. So uh, shoes that are worn all day, every day, are going to wear out a lot more quickly than shoes that are worn once a month for special occasions, for example. Yeah, um, of course. But I suppose there are always, I mean, I'm seeing more and more um, fashion manufacturers actually taking products back for repair, sort of resoling shoes and things like that. Um, is that something that your suppliers would offer, anyone that you already have on your site? Do they take back products for repair? No, not usually. Well, yeah, with, uh, in the case of sofa beds um, and sofas, our factories do do that. But apart from them, no, um, actually lighting, with, with one of our lighting manufacturers, they do do that as well. Mm. Um, but in most cases, um, it will be typically – it didn't – if the price of the product's relatively low, say less than £100, typically they'll send out a replacement um, because of the cost of getting the product back and repairing it and so on. It it just it makes more sense than send out a new one, which is disappointing for me. It is disappointing, yeah, exactly, because you're then asking them to throw away the original product, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. So it's de- definitely something that I'd like to do more of. Uh, one of the companies I admire most is Patagonia, and they're mm. like, really, really um, keen on repairing and reusing. So hopefully in the future that, that is something that we can do more of. But to be honest, right now, not a lot of the, the factories, manufacturers that we're working with, with offer that. 
I suppose that it's more difficult if you've got a big product like a bed or a mattress or a sofa as opposed to a piece of knitwear. I mean, I know John Smedley will take back products for darning and repair a few of the footwear manufacturers in Northampton. In fact, most of the footwear manufacturers in Northampton will put new soles on shoes. But it's more difficult, isn't it, with the larger products? So I suppose in that instance, maybe it's better to encourage customers, you know, if it does need repair, to to get it repaired locally. Yeah, definitely. Rather than replacing yeah. with new. Yeah, what I've been thinking of recently is it would be great if, like, we, we could have, like, a factory with a van and they go out, say, for example, a customer with a sofa bed, they've had it for five, six years and the material got torn by a dog or something yeah um they could just go out there and reupholster it at the customer's house rather than have to like because the big cost is like getting the sofa bed back to the factory repairing it and then delivering it again to the customer and so if we could go to the customer with those big items that that would probably Mm. be the best solution yeah it would so where are most of your customers based um all over the uk but London southeast is where we get most of our orders I'd say. Do you think that's because why why do you think that is? Um I think I don't think it's necessarily that people in those areas care more about product quality. Um I think it just ties to population density. Um, there's just more people in in those areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it might be because it might be financial as well, because typically London and Southeast people have got a little bit more to spend. And our products, um, although I wouldn't say they're expensive um, if you compare like for like with other retailers, but you know, you're, if you're getting a safer bed with a lifetime guarantee or a 15 year guarantee, then you're looking to spend over a thousand pounds and it is possible to get a sofa bed for say four or five hundred pounds but what you have to educate people about in that instance is the cost per use isn't it or the cost over the product's lifetime yeah exactly rather than so, the initial outlay yeah exactly so the, what we're we're keen for customers to think about is when when you go to our website and you look at any product you see the price and next to it you see a guarantee badge that shows the guarantee length so then if the customer starts thinking okay well this has got a 15 year guarantee and it costs a thousand pounds what's that cost per year of use compared to you know something in ikea that might need (laughs) i probably should like ikea do have some (laughs) good stuff as well but um just a, a We've all been there with those student yeah. sofas, though, haven't we? From yeah, IKEA, and, that. <laughs> and they don't last long. So, yeah, you can then once people see that, then they can make that comparison and understand mm. quickly. Okay, and it, it starts the thought process of thinking more deeply about the what is value for money and what is product quality and how do you mm. understand that? Because it's very difficult for for a, a layman to understand. But just from looking on a website or even if you go into a, a showroom and you look at a, a sofa bed um, or, or a light, for example, you don't know how it's manufactured. You don't know what materials have gone into it. You don't know the process of making the product. You can kind of judge a little bit on the quality, but 
unless you've got some knowledge of how how the product's made, then it's it's really difficult to know. Mm. So, do you think consumer mindset is changing in terms of quality and where a product is manufactured? Yes, yeah, slowly though. Um, you know, still we with I was more. People love what we do and they're always giving us positive feedback and saying they love the concept. But when it comes down to it, the price is the most important thing. We have to, you know, we have to like make sure that products are affordable and that, that they're, they're a reasonable, good value price because that's what people care about most. People have a budget and they, they have to stick within that budget. And so price is... Price is still the most important thing, and people fixate on price. I, I think too much. Mm, um, so do I. Yeah. Yeah. And so, sorry, I was just going to say. I, I think it is slowly changing, but slowly. Mm. Now you live in Japan, don't you? So you run made to last. Um, it's obviously run out of the UK, but you yourself are based in Japan. Do you think there are any comparisons between the way the Japanese shop and the way the British do? Or do you think the Japanese have a different mindset when it comes to quality and buying products? Yeah, the Japanese are far more particular um, and demanding. Mm. In Japan, it has to be good quality. And if it's not good quality, they will complain quite quite mm. strongly and they'll expect to be for for the problem to be sorted out whereas i will will um when our customers have problems and they contact us um often people are, are very calm and casual about it but sometimes like a customer will be quite um nervous or you know their expectation is that we're going to try and do them over and uh, not not deal with the problem because that's become more commonplace in the UK, unfortunately. I think it's getting better now, but, you know, say 10, 15 years ago, it started to become you know, poor customer service was the norm. Um, but in Japan, it's the, the level of customer service, the expectation of the level of customer service and product quality is higher. Why do you think that is? Why is that ingrained in the Japanese um, and it's not in the UK consumer? Why, why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. I, it's a is it something question. in the way Japanese children are brought up? Or, you know, or are, the, are, the, are the British consumers like a load of old cheapskates? Which is, you know, it's a terrible thing to say, but we, I do think sometimes, yeah, it's, there is this this balance between quality and price that in the yeah. UK people, like you've said before, they're just looking at price, which is such a terrible shame. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I don't know, it might be, I feel in Japan, there's a stronger sense of pride in what you're doing. And so, you know, whatever job somebody's doing in Japan, whether they're like helping people on a bus or, um, I don't know, cleaning toilets. They're, they're doing it as as well as they possibly can, and they're proud of their job. And there's no kind of shame in doing any any job here. Um, there are people who look down on people that they consider to be doing um, a kind of a, a lower level job than what they're doing. But most people are 
pretty much everyone is proud of the job that they're doing. And so perhaps uh, there's something, some kind of connection there with like pride in what you're doing. And so when you, when you buy a product, you expect the people that have made it to take pride in it. Um, and I'm, in the UK, I'd say that's not always there. You know, some people, may, maybe this comes from the class system, but maybe some people are not so proud of the jobs that they're doing and so they might not put their heart into it just because they they feel they're not given respect for the job that they're doing. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, ha- you- I'm, I'm guessing a bit here, but... Yeah. So with um, with your, you know, you said with all the products you selected for Made to Last, they had to be made in the British Isles. Was that always right from the start when you set out to um, develop the business? Was it always going to have to be made in the UK or did you look at other products from elsewhere that, ha- that fitted the same sort of criteria of, you know, long guarantee and stuff like well, that? Or Yeah, we, one thing is we wanted we want to reduce the distance that products travel around the world just because if yeah, right. we buy products from, you know, say, um, the Far East, import them to the UK, then they, there's a lot of um, um, petrol burnt in taking that product yeah. from that area of the world. But as well as that, if products are manufactured in, in the UK, then also we can be more confident about the conditions that work as a are in and that they're being paid a fair wage whereas like if we're using factories in areas of the world that don't have such strong labor laws then it's difficult for us to know what's going on and so it's those two main reasons we we've decided to just focus on products manufactured in the uk mm-hmm. but it has um, been to be honest it has been i suppose a pain in, at times like like now we still don't have a good selection of, of wooden bed frames and and dining tables and we, we just cannot find a good manufacturer um there are there are good good products made in the uk uh, dining tables and bed frames but typically it's companies that will sell sell direct to customer themselves rather than a factory selling through retailers such as us so it's it's quite difficult i don't know maybe Mm. you can help me there but but yeah that's what i was thinking maybe i can yeah definitely (laughs) i was gonna say are there any categories that you have had trouble finding products for i mean electrical items for instance what sort of electrical items do you stock just lighting really we did have Mm. some toasters um around in rutland yeah i've got one of their toasters yeah. yeah, what's the reason you're not stocking toasters well, they, anymore? They got bought a few years ago by a larger company and that large company changed all the prices. So we we just had a margin that didn't allow us to market the product. So we had to unfortunately stop That's selling. That's a shame. Yeah. 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 We, we did sell quite a lot of them and it was a successful yeah it's a great yeah it's a great toaster i say i've got one of theirs and then also um are, you know have you looked into doing categories like audio for instance um well i ha- have a little bit we do sell some british made headphones which are good um but beyond that no it's not something i've spent a lot of time investigating mm. like we we know that lighting and furniture 
work well. So initially, we're we're keener on expanding those product categories. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there's still a lot of um, area product areas for us to expand those ranges. But yeah, we'd definitely be interested in doing electronics. It's just mm. you know m- most of our sales come through through marketing efforts on Google ads and SEO and social media and electronics is very, very competitive. So it's difficult. Yeah, of course. Yes. And people probably don't specifically search for a British made hi-fi as much as they would do a British made sofa. Maybe is that? Yeah. I I think that's true. I think there's less expectation from customers that, that there's any benefit in buying a British-made electronic product. Just, I don't know, uh, that's probably my perception. But um, like we do see a lot of people searching specifically for British-made. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, do you? And obviously, if you're very good and that's your background in digital marketing, you obviously do a lot of sort of deep diving into the sorts of search terms that people are using. So have you seen an increase in people using search terms that include British made, UK made? Um, I haven't actually. It's strange. <laughs> strange. You haven't looked at that answer, one specifically. I, no, I, I do look at all of the search terms that people use. Mm. And I understand how people are searching for, for our different product ranges, but um, just over time, I haven't looked at, you know, was July last year were fewer people searching for British made sofa than, than this year. I don't know over time has that changed or not. It is something that I track every so often. What I have right. noticed recently is people searching for more localised, so not just made in Britain, made in UK, but actually made in England or made in London even. So much more local um which is interesting because people do ask me a lot of the time you know what is better to use is it made in the uk made in the british isles and Mm. so yeah there's a definitely a growing interest in more regional regionally made products so that might be one for you to look at (laughs) yeah do you think that's because they want to go and visit the maker and buy directly from the maker yeah, potentially it is. Yeah, I'd like to think it's because people want to buy a product that's made as close to them as possible, but it might also be because they want to visit the maker. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I think I mm. think there's, there seems to be a growing interest in understanding more about like when when people have made the decision to buy something that they really like and they care about and they're going to spend some time buying the right item, then they they like to know the story behind the products and talk to the maker. And I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, is that what sort of is that something that people notice? You've got a live chat on your website. Is that something that people pop on and ask you questions about? About who the more of the story behind the maker for each product? Um, It's just no. To be honest, um, those aren't the typical questions. It's more. It's more product specific. So, whoop. If it's a large furniture item, will this fit into my house? Um, can you give me a discount? <laughs> oh, really? Um, <laughs> and and just yeah, about delivery timeframes and and that kind of logistics of of getting the product. So it's, yeah, not haven't heard many people asking that to be honest. 
So, Joel, what has surprised you most um, since you've launched the website? Because you, you say you're from a retail background. Um, but has there been anything that has surprised you that's been different to how you think it would all pan out when you set up Made to Last? Um, just harder, harder than I thought. There's a lot, <laughs> I've, I've learned a lot about running a business that I didn't know. There's, you know, I, I come from a marketing background, but I don't mm. know anything about accounting. I don't know anything about, you know, the, the detail of the products. So I've had to learn about, you know, lots of different product ranges, how they're manufactured, um, working with, we, we work with 80 different suppliers at the moment, roughly. Which and is a so, lot to manage, isn't it? That many different yeah. suppliers or manufacturers, yeah. yeah and all how of do you make products, that work? Well, I mean, most of our sales come from about 10 different manufacturers. So it, those are the relationships that we need to manage closely. But I, I suppose one thing I'd, we've found most difficult is is just finding suppliers that really do care enough to like deal with the problem like when we have problems with products made that suppliers that really do care about the customer and willing to put things right so we've had to like stop working with a few suppliers but now uh, we've we've kind of learned to take things a bit slow with suppliers, discuss with them, make sure that they're happy to work in the way that we want to work and develop those relationships with, with the right people. And yeah, that, that that's so important. A while to get, to get right. I think. Yeah. No, that's, so, so if you were to launch the whole thing again, how would you do it differently? Um, or maybe you wouldn't. Whereas, yeah, I'd, it'd be nice to have a lot more money <laughs> to, <laughs> to, kind of, to be able to do things a lot more quickly because we've just bootstrapped it, grown it really slowly and organically, mm. which is good because we've been able to learn and kind of pace ourselves as we learn. Um, rather, if we had a lot more budget, maybe we'd have gone faster, but we'd probably have made more mistakes, I, I would think. Hmm. But, but yeah, knowing what I know now, I'd love if we did the same again. I'd love to go faster. And in the next five years, what do you see happening with Made to Last? Um, I'd love to expand the product ranges more and and find new suppliers to work with. So particularly like things like the wooden furniture. I'd also, you know, we discussed earlier repairs and and being able to maintain products. Um, I'd love to uh, be able to introduce that. And then more of uh, end of life of products. So at the moment, mm. we we can't really, you know, if somebody orders a sofa bed from us, I'd love to dispose of their old sofa bed or recycle as much as it of that as possible. So, for example, you know, if we take a really nice old sofa bed, probably the frame of that's still in really good condition and if we just took off the foam and all of the old material the frame is probably still reusable so i'd love to find a way to to make that make that work it's just you know at the moment we're selling you know we have a say 30 different models of sofa bed and then people are constantly purchasing them whereas if we took an old sofa bed that was made 30 years ago from some company that's now not around it's going to be a one-off um yeah so yeah just 
springing that back to life and you know, having those kind of one-off products is a very different business model to, to what we're yeah. doing now. And so, yeah. finally, who, which UK manufacturer do you most admire? What, I don't know. I should say one of ours, really. Yeah, you should, definitely. Go on. Oh, that, yeah, would that be picking a favourite? <laughs> well, the, we work with a company called Netherton Foundry that I really like the way that they work because they, they do um, cast iron and spun iron um, cookware and everything... Mm. They get all of the iron ore from a local foundry. All of the wood that's used in their products is taken from a local forest. Um, and they, you know, they, they get to know the forester and they take care to choose the right trees. And they're really into the detail uh, of the products. Mm. And so I really admire that. Um, Brilliant. I, yeah, we sell JB, a lot of JB products, and they're a big big factory making folding guest beds and just they they've managed to to have a, a big organization selling a lot of products uh, really good good prices but they come with a lifetime guarantee um and so being able to do stuff at that volume and provides like a really good level of service as well and Take it, they really take care of the customers. Any problems we have, they're dealt with immediately and quick. The customer's always got a replacement or a repaired product uh, within a matter of days. So they're another one I admire. Brilliant. And where can everyone find you? So people listening to this, because I've already now put on my shopping list, Netherton Foundry, I need, I need some new cookware. So where, where can people find you and buy all these products from you? If you go, the, the site is made to last.co.uk and there's a hyphen in between made and two and two and last. But if you just Google made to last, then we, we should come up. Um, so, yeah, yeah Brilliant. Google us or just come to the website. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Joel. You've been a wonderful interviewee. Thank you very much, Kate. Thanks for taking the time to interview me. for listening to the make it british podcast i make an episode every tuesday and friday plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally so don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live and if you enjoyed the show i would really love it if you left me a just a little review on itunes the more reviews this podcast receives the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the uk Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.